a consumer is going to earn points typically for consolidating their purchases down to a specific brand or retailer that they're already interested in that said, hey, you're, you're kind of flip-flopping back between these couple of items. You, you clearly don't have a strong brand affinity. So why don't you just you know, go down and only buy Dove soap? And hey, for doing that, we'll give you, you know, 5,000 points this month for doing it. Welcome to Transform It Forward, the podcast that gives you an inside look into the before and after some of the world's most effective transformation processes. I'm your host, Paul French. When it comes to refining customer experience, brands spend huge amounts to drive loyalty. Loyalty starts by establishing a personal relationship with your customer, building on a strong foundation of trust. And people also wanna feel like brands that they support are also supporting them. And as much as it would be great for trust to have a one-to-one correlation with loyalty and spend, one way to make customers feel truly valued is by rewarding them for their loyalty through perks and points, special deals, or gifts. For decades, brands have been rewarding loyal customers through loyalty programs. And now platforms like Fetch Rewards have a fresh take on an old idea by making it easier than ever for brands to maintain strong relationships with consumers. In this episode, I sit down with the founder and CEO of Fetch Rewards, Wes Schroll, to discuss what's new in rewards in the loyalty space, why consumer loyalty has become much more of a priority in recent years, and where we go from here. Enjoy the episode. Wes, thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Paul. So I remember, uh, I'm a lot older than you, in the 70s, asking my extended family, picking up the phone and calling them because we didn't have any devices at that point, to save all their Campbell's soup labels because my school would package them all up and send them in. And that's how we could earn the gym equipment. And I remember the delight of the team when, you know, the new gymnastics mats landed at Kilmer Elementary School in Buffalo Grove, Illinois. So loyalty has been around forever, right? It's been around for an awful long time. How has it changed and evolved over the last handful of years, 20 years, maybe? I love that example because you you could probably zoom in on any decade and there would be a different brand or company who is doing some form of what you just described with the Campbell's Soup, who who is always trying to find a way. And I think with the right intention, trying to find a way to make a consumer feel like they're rewarded for the loyalty that they're showing. But I know when I first approached the space, it was truly just as a new shopper. I was, I was viewing it as a traveler would view a new country, just questioning, why is everything done this way? It was the same thing. I was like, why am I the one having to jump through all these hoops? Why is it the sole responsibility of the consumer to actually have to put in the effort to get that reward? But I think there's this innate desire for consumers to feel like they're getting rewarded, to feel like they're valued from the, the brands that they choose to spend money with. And I think that's the biggest thing that we're seeing right now is that brands still have a altruistic desire to to make a consumer feel rewarded, feel valued, feel like they're getting rewarded for their loyalty. But I think now that's being combined with this demand from consumers to have it be in a way that is easy for them to approach and participate in. And that's really what's allowed a company like Fetch to even exist is that intersection of you know, finding something that both sides find value out of and now utilizing technology to actually make it fun and easy. Um, So I think that's really what we're going to continue to see is it'll be pioneered by really where the consumer is voting with their time 
And brands will then have to go and figure out how they bring to life their concept of loyalty within those type of platforms. But I think, again, it's, it's, it's exciting because, as you said, even since the 70s, and I'm sure before that, there has been this late desire to want to do it from both sides of the equation. And now we're just getting to a time where it can actually be done at scale for, for a lot of different companies. Well, it seems to me that, you know, you, you guys, uh, you know it a lot better than I, but, but you're taking a program loyalty approach, not a brand loyalty approach, right? Buy whatever you want, send me the receipt, you know, we'll make sure that you're taken care of. And obviously that is a tremendous amount of value for you as, as you get, you know, an interface with the customers and, and it's value to the brand because they probably get access to things that they wouldn't have certainly on the data side. Otherwise, how, how do you see the program side versus the brand side? Or have I completely read that wrong? No, I, I think the program side for us is more of the solution to make it a ubiquitous experience for the consumer, both in terms of the currency that they're being rewarded with and the method in which they participate. So that platform, I think of it more of like Apple versus Google, right? Those are both great platforms, but then you can bring your brand to life through creating an app or uh, utilizing, building on their technology stack to then have your brand come to life and win. I think underneath our platform, which again, the platform provides the consistency of how you participate and the currency that's consistent, then it's really up to the brands on the platform. And when I say brands, it could be a brand, a retailer, a restaurant, really anyone that a consumer spends money with can then bring to life their company through that platform. So while it is a platform approach, I, I think what actually makes it valuable long-term and continues to have dollars flow through it, which is what the consumer needs for the platform to be valuable, is the fact that we do take a brand approach underneath it. And we're really just providing the tooling for them to actually build ways to engage with that consumer without having that consumer have to go out and sign up for 15 different programs that all have slightly different mechanisms for how to participate. I think that was the key. And it's, again, put that consumer at the center, but then make it open for, for brands to actually come and put in the effort to figure out how they bring their brand to life and uh, win with those consumers. And it's an interesting point as a guy with 2 million miles on American Airlines. You know, there's a continuous change that sometimes maybe doesn't put the customer first, right? You, or, or puts the customer first in a way that maybe picks a different segment that they're trying to manage as opposed to the breadth of it. You know, American just recently changed the way that they they generate the loyalty points. And, and there's a there's a bias to spend on their credit cards and things like that to drive additional loyalty, even over and above miles in, on an airplane seat. Like, how, how are you seeing you know, brands take a look at loyalty more broadly about how they can use it both to drive the business and to create longer term customer uh, relationships? Yeah, I think in that example, right, like American is building the platform and then they're allowing in other. Now, in their case, it has to be non-competing entities to come in and utilize that platform uh, that has a huge base of consumers that all value their currency in miles to expand the value to the consumer, make it so you can earn faster. And again, like the Hertz, like they tried having their own loyalty program. It's just not as sticky. Um, because people did have more loyalty to the miles component in their airlines. I think the insight for us is that your average everyday American household, the person who is the one out there doing the majority of shopping, typically does not actually have that level of affinity to any sort of airline because they're, they're, they're not 
traveling for work every week. They're, they're there taking care of their family, putting in the work to provide. So that platform wasn't as attractive to them. And that's where we, we thought, okay, we need to create our own platform. We need to create our own currency that you know, the masses will, will be attracted to and can earn on a daily basis. And again, since they're not going to be traveling on a daily basis, Miles was never in the position to do that. It is very based on travel. Um, and is therefore self-selecting for a relatively small portion. If you look at who their super users are, it's a relatively very small portion of the U.S. population versus I think Fetch was focused on what are the consumables that people buy on a daily basis and that people have tried one-off programs to reward them for, but have never had kind of a platform approach that unifies it. And, and makes it available. And that that's really the, I would call it a niche, but it's actually the, the lion's share of the population that fits into wanting something like that. And that's really what we're working to provide. But I think to your other point of, um, you know, the expectations from a consumer nowadays, I, I think issuing, say, points or miles, whatever the currency is, is not going to be enough in the long term. We have a fundamental belief that brands will need to bring themselves to life, not just with the currency, but also in a way that's entertaining. I think everyone is looking to consume content, especially post-COVID. I mean, everyone is spending time consuming content. And if you can wrap up earning of points and content together, that's really valuable. You saw it with the Campbell Soup. The content was the fact that you were ascribing it to a goal of getting fitness equipment for your school. That has an emotional connection to it beyond what the dollars and cents are actually there. So we're working to help anyone who's using the Fetch platform to bring it to life in a way that not only does it earn you, yeah, a financial discount, but it, it comes to life in a way that's exciting and that has a story to it that you can follow along and you can feel like you're a part of a team or you're part of a community or you're competing with your friends and family to earn more or something like that. We think that there needs that other element to really succeed long term. How does that change your business model? Does that be all of a sudden you become, you know, I, I worked at Yahoo 20 odd years ago and you had, you had two sides of the business. You had the, you know, almost premium sponsorship approach. If you wanted to be on the homepage again, I'm showing my age. Uh, and then you had the traditional ad business. Do you end up sort of bifurcating your approach or having people try to push the fetch approach and currency over an alternative for a particular brand or where does it go in your mind? One of, if you even look at the, the Fetch app in December, we released the new tab that was called our social tab. It was in, uh, in, and remains in beta right now. The insight that we had there was almost 70% of all of our users today came through, you know, our referral program where a person refers a friend to the app. So everyone actually already inherently has built in connection group or a, a network within the Fetch platform. So with our social feature, we turned it on so you could actually now see your friend and family and how they're earning points and you can compete on a monthly basis. And where we're moving towards is actually going to also enable people to work together. So if I go out and redeem an offer for a new cereal product that General Mills just launched, and I love it, I can then you know, send a message to my friend saying, hey, go, go and try this. Uh, and by the way, when you do try it for the first time, I'll get 500 points and you'll get 500 points. And you actually reward people for this social interactions and the amount of loyalty people do have towards products that today they do talk with each other about it, but there's no reward mechanism to thank them 
for uh, bringing up their amazing products and conversation. And we think we can build that in. Similar, like we think we could have an influencer post a video on the Fetch app that someone comes in and is watching and is excited that this influencer is talking about a new product Unilever just launched. And hey, by watching that stream about the new product, you just unlocked an offer that you can go and redeem that anytime over the next like 48 hours from any retailer across the country. And you'll get credit and that influencer will get some uh, credit for having driven that sale. So we think like the enablement of social shopping without us having to be the one who fulfills anything, we don't want to be in the path of like where you choose to go and buy the products uh, or be the one fulfilling any of those because that's a really hard problem and there's lots of companies out there solving it. So we want to be in that area. How do consumers see their own data as the contributors here to the savings, right? If, if you're not paying for something, you're the product ultimately. And, and in that particular case, you're the product through Fetch because that helps reduce the acquisition costs of a particular brand or it drives up the loyalty, which improves your customer long-term value. Do, are they starting to say, yeah, I mean, this is, this is fine, but for 500 points, I'm not sure I want to share all of my shopping behavior? So what I, I mean, what I love about our business model is I, I think it really aligns us with the three-sided marketplace. So a consumer, right, is going to earn points typically for consolidating their purchases down to a specific brand or retailer that they're already interested in that said, hey, you're, you're kind of flip-flopping back between these couple of items. You, you clearly don't have a strong brand affinity. So why don't you just you know, go down and only buy Dove Soap? And hey, for doing that, we'll give you, you know, 5,000 points this month for doing it. So a consumer kind of kind of somewhat sometimes different. And they're like, okay, yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll just buy this one product because it's the one rewarding me the most. So then they, they consolidate down. That generates more sales for Dove. So Dove loves it because that was able to increase their LTV, as you said, or their uh, share of market in that. And then Fetch just has a markup on the points. So at the end of the day, like our goal is to help a consumer earn as many points as possible. Because that's what will generate Fetch revenue and help us to earn as much as possible. But what's, I think, more novel about our approach is actually the consumer gets the lion's share of all of these transactions. So we are sharing, they get two-thirds of the transaction dollars, and Fetch just makes its entire business model off of that other one, versus ad companies, when they display an ad, they're keeping 100% of the dollars from that. So yeah, and data is what we utilize to then power the targeting behind it. I'd say most consumers like the fact that they're being welcomed into the transaction flow. They know that their data is being used otherwise to generate value for third parties, but they're not participating in any of that value creation. So even when like CCP, uh, CCPA came out and we're fully, you know, made sure that the app was uh, fully up to par and that we gave everyone the ability, we were super transparent, like this is the data that's shared. Here's the value that you get and you can opt out if you want. I think we only had like 56 people opt out. So I, I think it just goes to show you that people are comfortable sharing that if they feel like they're getting adequately rewarded in a system that before they weren't getting anything, even though their data was still being shared. They're directing it at this point now. Yeah, no. And, and I think I think the idea of, of people ultimately coming to terms with that you can own your own data. I mean, California is trying to do that and Europe is trying to do that and you have the right to use it for its own good. Yeah, I think the days of you know swapping a little bit of personal information for an email newsletter or things like that, they're, they're not nearly as valuable as something that's got a tangent, tangible economic benefit that you're actually showing here. You mentioned in a piece about uh, you know the one-third, two-third break in terms of the business model side of things. You know, the loyalty programs have, have, have for a long time 
for, I mean, specifically in travel, but it'd been a huge revenue driver for people, like pre-selling miles and counting on the breakage and things like that. Do you have a similar sort of approach or how do you do it where you get the, the brands to look at this as a different way to think about it than the old school sell the points and hold on tight? Yeah, so two things to unpack there. The, the first one is I think a lot of our brands view us as individualized pricing at scale. Um, for the first time ever, I mean, you mentioned earlier this concept of LTV, lifetime value. That concept has always been around, but take a CPG, they've never been able to quantify that at any sort of scale. When I first went in and was talking with Unilever as an example, and I asked them about their LTV for a certain brand, they pulled out a study that had like maybe a sample size of a thousand people. And they're like, yeah, our uh, LTV for this product is $46. <laughs> and that's how they make their decisions. And I was like, that's crazy. You use a sample size of a thousand to just now go and use mass market techniques to influence behavior of the masses, tens of millions of people. But I understand why, because the retail environment is so fragmented in the US that it's really difficult to actually, I mean, like, look, talk with the CPG when they say a chief customer officer, the customer refers to the actual retailers, not the consumer buying their product. That for me highlights how broken and inefficient the marketplace is right now that that that, that can even exist. So I think what Fetch provides them is the ability to now across almost 15 million people have a one-to-one relationship, quantify LTV per category, and invest smartly and profitably at that individualized level where everyone can have a different offer that's still meaningful for the consumer, but drives the outcome that the brand is looking for. So I think on the brand side, that's kind of what we see. And in terms of breakage and you know airline miles, we're kind of the exact opposite. I hate breakage. Breakage means we lost the consumer and we, we've uh, done something to give them a bad experience so that they left the platform and didn't come back. And I hate that. I, I would rather have zero breakage whatsoever, which is actually why we hold it on our books and we work to manage, make sure we don't have any breakage. Uh, we want to make our business solely off of moving, moving business outcomes and the markup that we have, the portion that goes ours. We want to be able to run the business off of just that. We don't want to have to rely on any sort of breakage. That should be a consumer's. They should hopefully be able to redeem that and get value out of that. And if they don't, then that was a failure on our end. So the fact that you hold it, does that give you or do you then go back to brands and say, hey, I've got a subset of customers that maybe don't have the level of engagement and they're on the cusp of moving to a a redemption level or something like that. Let's go run something to them. I think they match your whatever. I mean, do you take a more proactive approach with brands there or do you really just say, hey, I've got 15 million people. I know enough to to point point the right people in the right direction over a longer lifespan. So when it comes to like redemption of points or like someone potentially about to fall off, we view that as more of like the job of the platform to go and re-engage those consumers and not let them fall off. That's again, I think a benefit of having this central party that's managing the platform is because we can then throw even fetches resources to keep them on the platform because a, a consumer who falls off of it is no, you know, no use to us or any of our hundreds of brands we work with. So what we will look at, though, is for consumer, like what you can look at is in the transaction data, you can see, hey, a consumer, because let's look at inflation right now, right? Like inflation is rampant. So as inflation keeps ticking up, we can identify, hey, this consumer just traded down to a private label. So therefore, your price increases that you just took have priced you out of these, you know, 100,000 households. We can then go run a campaign 
and deliver them targeted discounts to bring down the price without them having to go and run a buy one, get one free across you know, 10,000 stores and subsidize the base of a bunch of people who were willing to pay the new price. We can instead actually shift adequate amount of dollars to those just those 100,000 people across the country who need that price to be lowered. And then they can feel good about still buying the you know premium branded product, come home feeling great that they're providing that for their family and do it feeling responsible because it didn't actually cost them that much. Flipping coupons hasn't changed in generations, has it? Yeah, it hasn't. And I actually think couponing is very broken for a number of reasons. I, I won't have to go there. But uh, yeah, that's why we view ourselves as like, we can help identify LTV. We can help you then run campaigns to influence the LTV of a consumer. And we think that's a profitable way of doing it because you're viewing that consumer as a relationship with them ongoing versus coupons like fixed point in time things uh, and take no account into what that actually does to a consumer in the long haul and often just yeah flipper. So you, you talked about the multi-sided market marketplace approach. Does that mean that you know you have to be looking over your shoulder at the Amazons of the world and following closely behind the Walmarts of the world? You know, people who are trying to to take this base of customers and this this aggregated product approach. And you obviously are looking at it from the end user consumer perspective, but but the brands have a lot of weight behind you know the the big marketplace approaches. How do you think about them? Here, here's a stat that can put it in perspective for how I think about it. So we launched the app in 2017, so five years ago. At this point, we capture receipts submitted on a monthly basis that represent over $110 billion worth of GMV on an annual basis. That is the equivalent of almost the fifth largest retailer in the United States by dollars that we touch after only five years of being around. I think over the next two and a half, three years, given our growth rate and retention, I think we'll be capturing over half a trillion dollars of GMB on an annual basis. That will be larger than Walmart. So I think at that level of scale, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't be working with those different retailers too. Because I I think one of the things that I admire and love about Walmart and Amazon is they always put the consumer at the center. They've been really good at always putting the consumer at the center. And I think when they see that portion of people who are clearly choosing to utilize a platform like this, I do think that they'll find ways to optimize their own brand's appearance on it so that they get the lion's share of that half a trillion dollars that we're influencing to go and shop at Walmart or at Amazon. And it becomes, you know, again, our job, look at our company's name, Fetch Rewards. Our job is to go out there and fetch the best deal for our consumer. And that puts the onus on those companies to optimize their brands and the ones who do it best will win. It's the very, you know, very similar to the companies who optimize best on Facebook first won disproportionately during that race. I think this is just a new channel that is very, you know, focused on shopping that will do the same. And where does it go from here? As, as you look at over the course of the next five or 10 years, you've got the macroeconomic impacts of inflation, potentially recession. You've got the consumer push out of the U.S. Congress on things like, hey, do we need to break up the marketplace? And what is the impact of these large-scale marketplaces um, u- utilizing their data to present their own products first or their own private label products first? Where do you see your business 10 years from now? Yeah, I, I think 10 years from now, I don't think you'll see us manufacturing any of our own products. I don't think you'll see us trying to be the one delivering the products or anything like that. Like We, we really like being this middle layer. I think it gives us a lot of freedom and flexibility to truly just do what's best for the consumer. The second we try to introduce our own products, then we're all of a sudden trying to do two things. 
that, in my opinion, are somewhat antithetical to one another. So over the next 10 years, again, what we're more focused on doing is enabling things like social shopping, right? Where a consumer now can be driving the marketing and be rewarded adequately for the marketing that they're driving of their favorite products or retailers. And they can be a part of that system and equation that right now they're not getting anything for doing other than doing it off of the the genuine love for you know a, a brand or a product. So we want to be able to en- enable consumers to have their voice heard, to get rewarded for doing that, and to feel like they have companies out there competing for them. And what you often see when that happens is whatever company does win in that competition for the consumer will get the lion's share of that consumer spend long term. And that's what we think will truly unlock the loyalty is when companies prove their loyalty to the consumer, not the other way around. So in 10 years from now, I, I believe that we should be north of uh, you know 50 plus million monthly active users in the US. I think you'll see we'll have daily active users that are in the 40 million range too, because we, we see we have a really strong ratio of daily active user to monthly active user. And I think that will only continue to increase. I think people will have a love and affinity for Fetch and how it's out there, has their back, is trying to get them rewarded. And therefore, they'll also then love the companies that are associated on their Fetch app and working on Fetch. So we, we're really focused on that. I think you'll see us launch other international markets because there's no belief on our end that this is a phenomenon that's unique to the US. It just happens to be the place that we started. So our ambitions would take us far abroad um, beyond just the US's borders at, at some point, especially in the 10-year time frame. Well, you've been very, very generous with your time. The, the thing that's most interesting to me is how you, you've managed to keep the customer value at the center of it. And, um, and that tends to be the places where, where companies build long-term loyalty. So the, the loyalty company is building strong loyalty and that's, um, that's got a good future. So the question I like to end with is it's a little bit more personal, Wes. When the day is over and you've had your 40 million active users for the day, what do you like to listen to? While I was in school, so I dropped out after my sophomore year, mostly because I just needed more time to focus on the business. And I was majoring in business anyway. So I was like, might as well go do it versus sit here and learn on it. But I was minoring in history. So any free time I have, I'm listening to podcasts on history. And history is pretty wide for me in terms of the different time periods that I'm focused on. But right now, I'm listening to Tides of History. And specifically, he's focused on the the evolution of humans over the last 100,000 years. And I'm learning a ton about what we know. And it's always interesting as you get closer and closer within 10,000 years, 8,000 years, we start to see and know a lot more. But it's uh, absolutely fascinating and a great podcast I would recommend to anyone. That's great. Wes, thanks for your time today. I wish you all the best. Thanks so much, Paul. Wes has an amazing take on rewards and loyalty, but there are a few that really stuck out to me. First, the concept of rewarding customer loyalty isn't new. In fact, it's been around for decades. And when it comes down to the psychology behind the customer journey, it's clear that consumers want to feel valued by the brands that they regularly choose. On the other side of the equation, brands also have a desire to reward their most loyal customers. In other words, there will always be room for the rewards and loyalty industry within the customer journey. Second, as technology evolves, the rewards and loyalty industry is evolving right along with it. Gone are the days of brands forcing their customers to jump through complex hoops just to join or truly benefit from a program. With platforms like Fetch Rewards, 
it's becoming easier for brands to simplify the process and, as importantly, to participate in every step of the customer journey. Third, by taking a platform-based approach, Fetch Rewards has carved out a unique niche for itself within the rewards industry. The public has a desire for consolidated destination where you can earn points for the things you buy every day. This ultimately creates a unified experience with benefits both the consumers and the brands. Fourth, when it comes to loyalty programs of the future, it won't be enough for brands to simply issue points to their customers and call it a day. Instead, programs must provide an opportunity to bring their story to life and entertain customers through original content. According to West, the brands that use the platform to weave a compelling narrative and connect with consumers on an emotional level will see the most success. And fifth, through their unique approach, Fetch Rewards is enabling consumers to enjoy the lion's share of the benefits that the transactions they make on a daily basis. This strategy will ultimately contribute to a more competitive landscape while empowering customers to be more active participants in their process. Thanks for listening to Transform It Forward, the podcast that gives you an inside look at some of the world's most effective transformation processes. If you like this episode, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Paul French, and I look forward to being with you next time. Transform It Forward is brought to you by Axway, who believes that in order to create the most value for customers, partners, and employees, you need to open everything by securely integrating and moving data across a complex world of old and new technologies.